Jalen Milrow has officially been named Alabama's starting quarterback. Is that the right call? You are Locked On Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody. Welcome back into Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me, Jimmy Stein, that's him. This episode is brought to you by Game Time. And I'll tell you about game time in just a little bit. Jimmy, right after we did the podcast yesterday, which for some reason did not post uh, on the megaphone thing, but did post on YouTube, don't know why. So maybe you've heard it, maybe you haven't. Uh, We were debating who should be quarterback one. And uh, just after we posted it on YouTube, at least, Jalen Milrow was named quarterback one. I'm good with this. I'm 100% good with this. It seems like that some other things have come to light that perhaps um, Jalen's reaction to uh, open competition for the South Florida week wasn't handled perfectly, which is understandable. I'm not faulting Jalen at all. It would take a special human being to be like, I get it coach. Um, Especially when you don't think, Hey, look, wasn't all my fault. And he'd be right. But the way he reacted in game, the way he celebrated with teammates, the way um, all that has gone down, I think Jalen has made up for it. So they've been said as much. And uh, Jalen Miller is now officially quarterback one, and I'm here for it. Absolutely. I mean, uh, I think, look, uh, I think Nick Saban's sentence when he was, uh, when he was discussing this said at best, he's like, you know, all, all three of the contenders uh, have played and Jalen played the best. Now, I know we got the longest look, uh, but Jalen d- did play better than uh, than the other guys. I-, I would also throw this in. Look, no one mentions this, but, you know, Tuesday – I mean, Saturday was really the first time we saw Tyler Buckner play, play for Alabama in this offense, and it was the first extended playing time with live bullets flying that we saw with Ty Simpson. And uh, Butner didn't didn't do well. Let's be frank there. I mean, but, but Butner, the offense didn't perform well with him at quarterback. Uh, Ty Simpson, the offense was a little better than it was with Butner, but it wasn't great. Uh, you know, wh- when did we first see Milrow? When did we first see him? He came off the bench at Arkansas with the team only up 14-10 in a game that the defense would ultimately give up 28-29 points to Arkansas, and Jalen led us to a 49-28 win on the road in the SEC in his first playing time. I don't think people talk about that enough because the A&M game, for for whatever reason, swallowed that up. But the point is, the very first time we saw Milrow get extended playing time, he, he led us to a win on the road in the SEC. The other guys just haven't performed to that, to that level yet. So in that sense, to me, Luke, this is really a – brainer now the question will be okay Milrose starting quarterback uh it's not in perpetuity uh what happens if he doesn't perform well again I think Ty Simpson did enough things to where he's probably QB2 and I, I think they would they would go to him but but hopefully Milrow feels like he's got a longer leash now because a quarterback just especially a young one just cannot play if if that shadow, if that grim reaper shadow, you know the grim reaper with the, with, you know, <laughs> with this with this death tool 
just hanging oh, out, lurking so over his, yeah, that thing, <laughs> lurking over his shoulder, ready to, ready to, ready to lop off his head. The next time he throws an interception, you cannot play football like that. He needs to just play and, 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 and just let him loose. And, uh, and he also needs playing an offense. Let's be honest. He also needs playing an offense that I think's better designed for what he does well and minimizes what he doesn't. That's up to Tommy Reese and the coaching staff. Uh, so I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm certainly excited to see uh, how Milrow responds. And uh, we both said on, on the show, Luke, that apparently some people didn't get to hear, but but we said it on the show that. Uh, you know, that Milrow gives this team the best chance to beat Ole Miss. I mean, I think we agreed yesterday before Nick announced, I mean, who gives us the best chance to beat Ole Miss? I, I think the obvious answer is Jalen Milrow. I think so, too. And, um, again, happy for him. I think you're right about the longer leash. I think he, that will maybe ease some of the stress and maybe he won't press quite as much if that's what he was doing. Um the one thing that it does, this is what scares me. And this would scare me really for any quarterback that came out there for the first snap. Um, if we get the ball first against Ole Miss and Milrow throws a pick, you know, or if Milrow misses a wide open wheel route like he did with Jason McClellan or something like that, I wish that we could get him uh, feeling a little bit better using the short and intermediate passing game. Unfortunately, that seems to be his weakness. He is um, a – run first kind of guy or throw it deep kind of guy. And uh, those are the two things that he excels at. Now, he's very good at both of those. Um, but, again, I think we've just – it's time we pick a horse and ride that horse to the finish line. And if he does uh, not have a fantastic first drive, whether it's a three and out or an interception or whatever, here's hoping that everybody can still stay behind him because he is the guy now. I think that's got to be something – look, I was down on the players only meeting a little bit yesterday and that, that got mixed reviews from folks. And I, I guess I, I've just been sort of my head spinning from the way this team is this year, because it's so unlike the last 15 years that it's, it's mind boggling to me. So I hate to be so negative. Um, maybe the players only meeting did clear the air. Maybe some folks did get some things off their chest. You know, BetterHelp is one of our sponsors here. Maybe that was their BetterHelp, in-person BetterHelp therapy. And maybe everybody can get a little bit more on the same page and everybody can feel a little bit better about the situation. Because I'm going to tell you the truth. If, if you were a good friend of Jalen Milrow and you're on the team, you probably could not help but feel a little bit like he was slighted. And I totally get that. Here's my question, Jimmy. Do you believe that um, – Saban, I hate to say succumb to pressure, but maybe did he say, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take – if everybody thinks Milrow's the problem, we're going to take him out because it's South Florida. We should be able to beat South Florida regardless. We did beat him by two scores. We didn't come close to covering. Um, but do you think he was like, all right, I'm going to put some other people in there and just see what happens? Or do you think he was – Milrow was potentially suspended because he didn't handle the situation – uh, in such a fantastic matter. I, I'm curious what your thought is right. why didn't play at all Saturday. Why Milrow didn't play at all? Last I would, I would yeah, yeah. I, I would start with with this. I, I don't think the plan was for him to play. I, I think I think if if people want to choose to believe 
that he was suspended. Okay, they can believe that, but uh, to my limited knowledge, so I'm not reporting anything, to my limited knowledge, piecing stuff here together, he wasn't going to play anyway. I mean, Tyler Buckner was going to start and Ty Simpson was going to play, and that was the plan. Now, I believe after that plan was told to the team and told to the quarterbacks, at that point, apparently, per reports, Jalen Milrow didn't uh, handle it very well like a lot of people at work don't handle being demoted very well. Uh, he didn't handle it well to the point that they're like, fine, you know, they're, they're, you know you're not going to play at all. Uh, you know, uh, so, and, and you can call that suspension if you want. He was going to be third anyway, you know, uh, in terms of how they practiced last week. So uh, I, I, I think too much is made of it, but it is a thing. It is a thing. I'm not saying it's not a thing. It shouldn't be discussed. Uh, but I think too much is made of, I mean, Buckner was going to start and Ty Simpson was going to play and South Florida was the right game for that. And I think there needed to be an acknowledgement by Nick Saban that, look, Jalen, you got to do better than than those first two games. That's not good enough. That's not good enough. And I'm fine with that message being sent loudly to Jalen that that wasn't good enough and you've been coached uh, better than, than what you played in, in those first two games. And I think that message w- was sent and probably received. received. And uh, I think we're going to see a better a better Milrow. I, I really do. Now, look, people, we've seen him uh, quite a bit now. There's going to be mistakes and errors. Uh, I did this piece that should have gotten more attention yesterday. People took it all the wrong way. Uh, but I did a piece yesterday that showed what year – all the starters in the SEC were at quarterback, you know, like for instance, Joe Milton's in year six and Peyton Thorne at Auburn is in, is in year uh, five and Jaden Daniels is in year five. Uh, you know, I, I can't, I can't remember it all off the top of my head. Jalen Milrow Luke is the third youngest quarterback in this league. The third youngest in terms of uh, a year, you know, there's only one other year three guy. There are two guys in year two. But the point, the real point that stood out to me, Luke, is he's the third youngest guy in the SEC in terms of this is year three for him. The two guys that are in year two started a a big chunk of last season. They're more experienced. The younger guys are more experienced than Jalen. I think it's clear looking at that chart. We have the least youngest slash least experienced starter in the SEC. So what's a guy like that going to do? Well, he's going to turn over the ball. He's going to uh, make mistakes. He's going to not see things. The game is going to move a little fast for him. It just seems that we hold Milrow to a standard of, you know, Bryce didn't do this. You know, Mac Jones, who, by the way, wasn't a starter until year four. uh, He didn't do this. Tua didn't. I mean, I mean, Milrose going to make errors and we need to stop as a fan base freaking out every time he does. This is what young quarterbacks do. And he's going to grow out of it as he gains more experience and matures as a player. Uh, again, youngest player in the SEC, youngest starting quarterback in the SEC in terms of there's two guys in year two and two guys in year three. All the other three guys have played more than Jalen Milrow has played. All the other starters in the, in the in the SEC, Luke, are year four, five, and six guys. 
All right, we're going to talk about a little bit about team chemistry when we come back. But, Jimmy, I need to tell everybody about FanDuel. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place $5 bet. So simple. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. Unless you're Nick Chubb and got him on your fantasy team like me. FanDuel official partner of the SEC. Oh, official partner of the NFL. NFL. Yeah, it makes so a lot you more sense. So you, you helped ruin Nick Chubb's season, huh? I did. I did. I, I mean, as soon as I was like – because at first – the player that I could only see down was Minka Fitzpatrick last night. And I was thinking, oh, God, not Minka. Come on, Minka, get up. And then, like, the camera sort of moved, and I was like, oh. And then they didn't show the replay, so I rewound it, and I saw what happened to his leg. And I said, oh, okay. He went from one of the best running backs in the NFL to Lieutenant Dan in about two seconds. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, okay. Jimmy, I want to talk a little bit about team chemistry. What is your just uh, initial thought? on where the team is from a mental standpoint right now. Okay, so they have the players only meeting. There's some people that think that was great. Some people thought it was uh, not so great. I, I was on the not so great side. I'm The comments yesterday in the YouTube sort of helped me. There were some people saying, look, there was a players only meeting after Ole Miss in 2015. Okay, that's that makes me feel better. There was a players only meeting in 2017 at one point. Okay, that makes me feel better. I'm digging that. Um, so – I'm getting I'm leaning towards maybe maybe this turned out to be a good thing. Maybe people did really have their airing of grievances in a festivus type way. And maybe everybody's feeling a little better because, man, I really want this team to go out there and cut loose. I really want this team to go out there and cut loose Saturday because I think Ole Miss is. <laughs> boy, didn't this sound weird? Ole Miss is beatable, Jimmy. <laughs> um, They're beatable. Yeah, they're very beatable. And, they didn't uh, look. Uh, they didn't look infallible against uh, George Tech or Tulane, and or in the opener. And they also have injury issues. Uh, frankly, I mean, Judkins hasn't been healthy. Uh, he's not been his normal productive self. Trey Harris, who had been their best receiver in the first couple games, uh, he was out this past weekend. J- Judkins he's still out. Jackson Dart is our leading rusher, by the way. Yeah, I mean, so they're having trouble running the ball. The tight end that got out of the portal, I don't think has been healthy the, the whole season yet. So they, they have some injury issues that Alabama can take advantage of. Uh, team chemistry, uh, we'll have to see. Uh, we'll have to see if this is a fired-up team Saturday. We expected to see it last Saturday. We didn't get that at all. Uh, and then the, as for the team meeting, uh, I'm a little like Luke on that. I, I'm, I wasn't – I'm not anti against it. I don't think it was bad. I don't think, gosh, don't do that. I didn't think that. I just thought, you know what? Uh, is, is that going to help them block better? I mean, is that going to help them fix the mistakes that are leading to the bad plays? That's what needs to be worked on, in my mind, is the mistakes that are leading to the negative plays on offense. Uh, I, I did say yesterday, and we'll repeat again, I do think some of the chemistry issues are a little overstated. The defense, which is half the team, played really well against South Florida. I knew that would be lost. It has been lost and all the screaming about the offense. But the defense played really well. Uh, so as far as the uh, – well, the offense laid down because they're, they're, the quarterback that they want wasn't out there. 
does that mean that the defense was all extremely supportive of Buckner? Because they they showed up. They played great. I mean, so I think that's the the proof that all that's a little overblown. Uh, the team itself, uh, you know, the whole of the team was not horrible on Saturday, just half the team. And I do think not having the starting quarterback out there uh, or who they perceive should be the starting quarterback could have been a factor in terms of the amount of energy, Luke, because look, we said it on this show all spring and summer and fall, Luke, quarterback number one since the first practice of the spring through the entirety of the spring. Then he took the wide receivers to Tampa, uh, to Orlando this summer, Then or Tampa. Then he took the team uh, this fall, or he took the starting job this fall. He was QB1 on the first day of fall practice. He was QB1 during both fall scrimmages. He was QB1 for the opening game. He quarter. He was a starting quarterback against Texas. It's understandable if the offense is like, why are we doing this? Hasn't this been hasn't this been settled? I mean, it seems settled to us. So we don't really get this. I I can understand that affecting the energy uh, in the the offense. Uh, That's not an overall blanket excuse for their play, but I can get that that may have zapped some energy. I think it's overblown, though, when people say that it was it's divided the locker room and that half the team wants Ty or Tyler and half want Jay. I, I don't think it's that at all. I think it's just, hey, maybe some of the energy was zapped because you're playing at South Florida and Coach must not think this is a very big game. He's playing the number three guy out there. I mean, I, I can see that zapping some energy. But uh, I think we'll know more about the team chemistry this weekend. They may not win. I hope that they play hard. I hope that there's great effort. I hope that there's some improvement with the toughness on the offense. And uh, as far as Jalen Milrow goes, uh, I would like to see him run the ball more often. That's what I, I want to see more. How about designed runs? Jalen Milrow running around. Design run more. There has been some. I want to see more. More designed runs, more RPOs, and uh, take your deep shots. Take your deep shots. And don't remove the short stuff and the intermediate stuff, but let's not build a game plan around it. I mean, that's obviously he struggles with that. Uh, Let's not put a freshman quarterback who's the least experienced youngest guy, a combination of those two, in the whole SEC. Let's not put him in the pocket and make him do NFL stuff. I mean, you know, why would we expect him to be good at We didn't ask Jalen Hurts to do that the entirety of 2016, and we almost won the national championship. So that that's my thing. Let's see a smarter build-it-around-Milrow plan. Yeah, Jimmy, we're going to talk about Lane Kiffin potentially poking the bear here as apparently you coughed up half a lung um, right there. Thank God for your mute button. Um, we're going to talk about that Jalen Miller. Excuse me. We're going to talk about Lane Kiffin and, uh, you know, was he trying to sun zoo this thing? Anyway, right now I need to tell everybody about game time. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful. I can't stress that enough. They should be easy to get. Um, I'm going to be using game time for the Tennessee game. I can tell you right now, I've got some folks coming in want to go be using game time to get those tickets. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you're going to have. I'm telling you flash deals and last minute tickets. You can get them easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. You can get them. 
Images of seat views, that's crucial. Man, that helps you decide what kind of tickets you want. There's no doubt about that. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On College for $20 off the first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code Locked On College for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, so Lane Kiffin, uh, been taking a few shots. I don't. And look, if you want to just go the letter of the law, they probably aren't shots. But saying things like Javaris Robinson is actually calling the plays for Alabama defense. I don't know if he's right or wrong, but to come out and say that seems like um, a, a veiled uh, or not so veiled shot. And what it reminds me of, uh, you know, Sopranos is my favorite show of all time. And uh, I think, Tony Soprano one time was, you know, at war with one of the mafia bosses, and he said uh, he learned something from Sun Tzu, and he said, uh, if your opponent is upset, agitate him, and so I'm wondering if that's what uh, Lane Kiffin is trying to do, like say, okay, I'm going to just poke Nick Saban right in the belly button as he's taking a nap, and see, you know, a, a restless nap, and see if that just makes him even matter so that you take all the, 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 the thought process of the game and put it on, you know, dang it, Lane, why do you know this? Why do, it just feels like Lane's that kind of guy. Lane has got a very, if anybody listens to Danny Cannell on Sirius XM in the morning, Lane and Danny Cannell are on the same vibe. Danny, or if you follow Danny Cannell on Twitter, Danny Cannell on Twitter says things that are pretty controversial, sometimes downright wrong. And people call him out on him. He's like, what? I was just pointing something out. What? What's the big deal? And now Lane Kiffin has come out and said, what? I was just saying something I heard. I don't, what, what's, what's the big deal? You know what the big deal was, Lane. Come on, bro. Yeah, uh, I don't think that Lane Kiffin – I don't think any coach in the United States other than Lane Kiffin would have said that publicly. Uh, I think that was a very Lane thing to do. Uh, and I'm not – I'm not crit- I mean, that, that's just how he rolls – uh, I, I don't. I think if another coach around the league, uh, while watching tape of ours, if their staff felt like, hey, you know, uh, T. Rob's calling their plays, not Kevin Steele, I think that they would have found that information interesting and it might have helped them prepare for the game. But they wouldn't have run to the media and said it. <laughs> Lane did because I think uh, Luke was a hundred percent right. This is some sort of gamesmanship on Lane's part of. Hey, you know what? Nick doesn't want the fans to know this because he's never said so. Uh, he doesn't want people to know uh, what his real uh, org chart is over there. So let's announce it to the world and see if we can get them upset and uh, infighting. Let's get some infighting going. Let's <laughs> let's agitate them. And you know they're already upset for for that uh, that crap show in Tampa uh, against South Florida. Let's upset them further. That that's what that was a hundred percent all about. Now, uh, whether what he said is true or not, I can't uh, dispute it, nor will I. Uh, I'm going to let Nick Saban answer that. Uh, but I will say for people who just don't know how, how it all works or how it can work, you know, the defensive staff as a team, they come up with that play sheet. Everybody knows the offensive play sheet. Well, the defense has one too. And they put that sheet together as a staff during the week with every one contributing or probably two or three key people contributing, which would include T-Rob and Kevin Steele. So it's been a joint thing, right? And then you put Kevin Steele in the box and T-Rob on the headset and T-Rob's the one that's going to tell the team 
what the play call, the defensive play call is. It makes all the sense in the world that this is what I would refer to as a joint production. Uh, and and T-Rob is ultimately signaling it in. Uh, who is to say that Kevin Steele doesn't go, you know, hey, we're going to be in this – let's uh, – we're in nickel here. Uh, you know, they're in they're in 13 personnel. Uh, let's go nickel here. Hey, uh, I'm thinking about bringing – uh, uh, a safety on a blitz. What do you, what, what you think, T. Rob? You want to go with that? And then T. Rob says yes or no and signals it in. You know, and I mean, who's calling the play there? I mean, that's why I'm saying so much of this is semantics, and and and, and Lane is using it to uh, stir the pot. And 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 again, I always talk about overreactions. Yes, it's a story. Yes. Fans want to know. Yeah, tell us who's calling the plays. We would like to know that. But let's not turn it into a, a mini series where we have to argue about it for four weeks. It's not that big of a thing. Nick did admit that we have changed the way we're calling the defense since the Texas game. Apparently, he didn't like the way it worked in the Texas game, so we changed it. I mean, again, exactly. it doesn't seem like it's a big deal. It's only a big deal because he actually said it. Um, That's right. He made it a big – Lane's made it a big deal, but it's not a big deal. It's sort of the same way to me there's some manufactured uh, animosity between Dion and whoever they're playing every week, you know, where a coach like, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't wear sunglasses and you, wear a hat when I'm talking to an adult. And you see that – this is why Dion's phone's going to ring off the hook. This, did you see that Colorado, Colorado State, even though it kicked off at 9 o'clock, the fifth most watched college football game in the history of ESPN. What? I know. I know. I'm dead serious. I had that same reaction. Colorado, Colorado State oh is the God. fifth most watched What's college football regular I have no idea. It's mo, uh, col, mo, well, I didn't, I, I didn't read the whole thing. I just read the headline. But the fifth most watched college football game in ESPN history, and it kicked off at 9 p.m. Central Time, 10 p.m. Eastern Time, and the fifth, and that's why. Hey, look, don't everybody out there that thinks T, this is all silly, he's overrated. Hey, let me say this. Okay, I've just found the article. It drew 9.3 million viewers to make it the most watched late night college football game ever. Most late night. I mean, so, and uh, let's see, it said. Um, it was ESPN's fifth most watched regular season game ever on the network for any time slot. Um, yeah. The broadcast window for ESPN college football averaged about 1.7 million viewers last year. So about eight times more, plus or minus. Um, I wish that I could find uh, – Not nuts. I want to find the other ones. But, you know, it, it's funny. Yesterday um, I, call, I called into an Auburn show that uh, I listen to sometimes on the way home because I know some of the hosts, good people. And um, it, one of the other callers that calls in regularly was like, I'm so thankful we didn't get Dion. What a circus, blah, blah, blah. I said, yeah, we're all thankful we're we thankful. Didn't get Dion too. And look, uh, and maybe long-term this doesn't work out because I, I can see a scenario where, um, you know, you can't bring little Wayne out every game. You can't have a golden throne every game. Every game can't be, some kind of fabricated animosity. Every game can't be that. And that's what makes Saban so brilliant is he's been able to, even the games where it feels like, you know, you have an upset possibility, you can relax. Saban's always been able to, you know, traverse those waters. 
But um, for the short term, this has done more for Col the University of Colorado than anything's ever done for the University of Colorado. I'm talking about um, Darian Hagan. I'm talking about S uh, Celine Rashad. Rashid Salam. I always mix it. I'm like a. I'll mix him Rashid. up with the Alabama linebacker. I know Salim Rashid. And, uh, anyway. Rashad Salam. Rashad Salam. Rashad Salam. Uh, rest in peace. Um, but this is more than their national championship. This he has done more for the University of Colorado. He is Nick Sabening this thing, and sh the the short term windfall will make up for any long term disabilities. And um, even if there are even if there are some, we don't know that there will be because I'm going to tell you the next guy that comes in now, the next guy that comes in will probably have to do the same kind of roster turnover because a lot of people came to Colorado just for Deion Sanders, but he at least will have a shot at it. So anyway, I'm going to find out. This is how big it is. Michigan State, obviously, is the first big job to come open for next year in terms of, like, Michigan State. And in my opinion, Michigan State is a top 25-type job, top 20 maybe, but certainly a top 25 job because they're in the Big Ten. Any school right now in the SEC or the Big Ten is getting a bump up in terms of where you rank in the country, in terms of what, what level of job is this. If you're in the SEC or the Big Ten, you're getting extra points right now because those are the two biggest shows in town. Uh, put it this way, Michigan State. Any call to Dion, you are wasting your time. He he is he is leapfrogged Michigan State, and and that's yeah. a, again a top twenty five job. He, he's like Dion's agent should be like, thanks for the call, but uh, a bigger fish is coming for us, and and, yeah. and it will and it will. Yeah, there's no doubt no doubt about that. Um, I'm looking at uh, this is from I don't know a few years ago. Uh, just for reference, Notre Dame at Ohio State. This is from last year, yes. Notre Dame, Ohio State on ABC, on ABC was $10.5 million. Alabama LSU on ESPN, which was, I mean, it didn't have it didn't have the same as a normal Alabama LSU. It drew a it was a seven six. So um, more people watch Colorado, substantially more people watch Colorado, Colorado State at 9 p.m. than watch an Alabama LSU game. Uh, which ultimately, by the way, uh, propelled LSU to uh, to win the West and 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 go on and play Georgia, and uh, that, that's just unbelievable what uh, what and he has done publicity wise. How about for three million weeks million. in a row? Alabama Texas was eight point eight million, so um, less of a crowd, and that was on that was ABC, right? Yeah, no, 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 that was ESPN. It was it ESPN? Okay. Yeah. So, but I mean, again, that's an yeah, awesome ESPN. number. But it, it is 9.3. So it's anyway. crazy. Um, all right, that's going to do it for today's pod. We'll be back tomorrow with more. Until then, roll tight, everybody. Roll tight.